0: Welcome to Hell or High Water. I'm Luke, your Game Master for this 5th edition Viking Encampment adventure, and with me today are our raiders.
1: Hello, I am Ulf.
2: Hello, I am Arn.
3: I am Beoruna. I am Grandma.
0: Our players are all members of the Viking Encampment, and our setting is Iskloft. You may be asking, what's the Viking Encampment? What's Iskloft? What the heck am I even listening to? Yeah. Well, for those who don't know, Viking Encampment is an edutainment group based out of Minnesota, USA. Since 2014, we've dedicated ourselves to the pursuit of entertaining and educating audiences about Norse history, culture, crafting, warfare, and mythology with a specific focus on the Viking Age we remain active year-round rehearsing and performing at a variety of events and actively engage with our fans and followers via social media. It is, of course, due to your enthusiasm and contributions that we continue to learn, grow, and expand our reach. This project was a way for us to perform for you during the COVID-19 pandemic, and hopefully beyond if you all enjoy it. There is a lot more work involved in putting together a podcast than we truly expected, but it's here at last. So what is this project? Hell or High Water is a real play podcast. We'll be using a setting for the fifth edition of the world's most popular role-playing game, Dungeons & Dragons by Wizards of the Coast. The setting we're using is called Iskloft, which is created by Lloyd Collins, and published by Skald Publishing Limited. There's a link in the description to drive through RPG where you can purchase a copy for yourself. Iskloft is a low fantasy, grim and violent Viking themed setting for fifth edition D&D that focuses on the desperate struggle for survival of the characters. Is their honor more important to them than victory? Will they break their oaths to succeed? How far will they go to thrive in an otherwise harsh world? There's only one way to find out. Many of you may be familiar with 5th edition d d but this setting has changed a few rules, so we'll go over the major ones here and address the others as we play. First, D&D is typically a high fantasy setting with all kinds of races and classes, but in Isklof that's not quite the case. Isklof's answer to races is called Etir, which represent the region and culture you're from, because everyone is human. There's no orcs or tieflings here. However, there are a number of Etir, each with their own traditions, language, features, and most importantly, bonuses. From there, the classes have been totally overhauled to fit within the setting, and have new names, archetypes, and abilities. And I'll let the players have a chance to describe their et in class in a moment to give you a better idea. Secondly, some of the more common D&D roles are for skill checks. This setting has changed some of the skills to work better in a world with almost no magic, where the harsh environment may be your greatest danger. There are six skills that are new to the setting. There's grit which is a measure of your endurance and innate survival instinct. Lorewise replaces history and determines what you know about not just history, but also traditions, people, artifacts, myths, and legends, such as how would you approach a Jarl in Volleyland as opposed to Osplode? Sailing is the most self-explanatory of the lot, testing the party's knowledge of the sea, navigation, and naval combat. Saidwise is the nearest we get to magic. This is wisdom of rituals, the nine realms, the gods, Alfar, Jotnar, and what little there is to know about magic. This is a combination of arcana and religion. Worldwise is a mixture of survival and nature. This is the knowledge of plants and herbs, identifying tracks in the forest, or how to start a campfire in a downpour. And last but not least, wound-wise, replaces medicine. This is understanding injuries and how to heal them. How do you set a broken bone? Or How do you prevent an infection from taking someone's arm? Or life? There are more changes beyond what I just went over, but those are the most obvious to folks familiar with the 5th edition rules. To those who've never played d d and are long for the ride, I hope these explanations will help you follow along a little easier. Now we'll turn it over to the uh, top, the initiative order, so they can describe who they are and what they do. Ulf?
1: My name is Britt, and I will be rolling for the character of Ulf. I am really excited to be uh, playing in this world. It's uh, definitely different than you know what uh, fifth edition what we're used to seeing so uh, Ulf is with the party uh, one because the Jarl sent them but also um, in order to please Odin they need more from life. Ulf is a Jarn-nager, um which also means ironize The ironize are people who dwell in the southeast of the Sáderfjord uh, landmass the iron eyes are descended from a legendary huskarl at least that's what most of the people in the world think of them Uh, as a people they revere the smiths uh, as sacred and give great respect to those who create they are makers by trade most of them Um, the smiths as i said are given this sacred position in the iron's eyes land but more than that anyone who creates is afforded a good deal of respect this translates to the Eyes having excellent craftsmen of all kinds. Um, they are also quite honorable. Um, they believe that an oath should never be broken, and they live a true life of honor. Um, outlaws are given particularly harsh treatment, and those who break any oaths are almost always put to death. So for Ulf, um, an oath is something not to be taken lightly. They are a very patient type of people. Um, They believe that rushing headlong into battle against a shield while screaming uh, is glorious, but it's not a way to win a battle. They rarely react passionately or emotionally. Instead, they take time and consider before they act. Um, They are also quite pious. Odin is their main god above all others. Um, They have this ritualistic self-mulation of plucking out an eye. (laughs) <laughs> that might seem quite insane, but to the Iron Eyes, it is the true sacrifice. Uh, Odin gave his eye for wisdom, and those Iron Eyes that go through with this ritual say that they are often granted uh, visions by the Allfather. The men in the Iron Eye Jarldom uh, are not of noble origin. They tend uh, to be a bit shorter and stockier um, than, than others, uh, they grow their hair long and do not style it. Uh, same with their beards as well. They are pretty well off as far as wealth goes. Um, they, Since they're uh, you know mostly smiths by trade, they tend to thrive well on their own. Um, smiths and merchants are common among these folks, um, but craftsmen of any kind uh, will find themselves quite successful in the Iron Eye lands. What's pretty great about their bonus equipment... Uh, is that Ulf gets a fur-lined traveling cloak, different traveling gear um, for the current season. They get a bedroll, a saddlebag, and they have this really neat amulet of Odin's eye, which um, hopefully will come into play as we play along. It looks like uh, proficiency-wise, I do have a proficiency in uh, the tradition skill, insight skill, and I get to choose a smith's tool, which is pretty exciting. And uh, I speak, uh, and the languages that Ulf speaks is uh, Sudska and Trade Tongue. As far as Ulf's class, they are a Dringer. Dringers are skilled, brave, versatile, respected, and they above all else believe in uh, code. So I felt like that played very strongly into being from Yarnagar uh, and will come in handy as we uh, continue to play the game.
0: So, Brid, what would you say like a drenger is like as far as like a character class?
1: That's a great question. They are basically a professional warrior. They basically spend their lives fighting. Uh, this lends to you know warriors uh, that have stood in shield walls countless times. Um, and I think what would be interesting with that as we kind of move forward and play on is also knowing that. <laughs> Ulf may not just kind of run into battle, but think about the battle kind of str- strategically. But also knowing that as a warrior, I find n- no more pleasure in life than to be at battle.
0: Drängers are basically just your your typical fighter class, you know, yeah. very much about war and fighting. And you'll come to realize in in Iskloft, not everything is quite as it seems. Yes. So every class has some kind of you know usefulness outside of combat as well, because if the system was entirely about combat, we would not last very long. With that, I'll I'll move over to Dan, who's next in the initiative order. Uh, Dan, tell us about your character, and, and why are you calling Ulf not Ulf?
2: Well, first off, Luke, I am Vidar, and I will be playing the character Arn. Arn is and Ufandar. They are the group of people in Iskalaf that they're more like the nomads of the group. They don't have any one region that they call home, but they can be found in every single region. They travel a lot and they worship, as should be no surprise if you know a little bit about Old Norse, the Uf, the wolf. So they like to mimic the wolves that they see in the forest. They have more tribal communities than they do, say, a established city. In fact I do not believe they have any established cities or lands that are specifically theirs. So they are a nomadic people and a savage people and they also are often great hunters. They um how do I say it? They don't have a lot of wealth because they do not care so much about physical items. They care more about living in the moment. The Wolf worship the parts of Odin that are most important that we re- revolve around the wolf the wolves frecky and Geri, and even the hildolfair the battle wolf so they live in the wilderness sleeping in caves and beneath trees or just simply beneath the stars they often will have a large wolf pelt on them the part that i do like about the wolf is they have a very simple culture but very understanding so as long as you are part of the group just like real wolves you're in it for life they will always have your back If they think you are a part of the group, if you aren't, well, they might kill you. But I can respect that too. So the reason that Luke brought it up that Arn would be calling Ulf not Ulf Ulf is most of the Ulf Ulfendar will call themselves Ulf and have very simple monosyllabic names. I don't know if I said that right, nor do I really care. Amongst their tribes, they will more often than not, just use titles as the name of a people as opposed to an actual name. So for example, not Ulf Ulf is, he is not an Ulf, not Ulf, but goes by Ulf, so Ulf. And as I go through this, my character Arn will also be a Kirangir. And Kirangirs like, are if you were to compare it to a more traditional setting would be more like the Rangers. In Isk, They are a fixture in almost every village, especially on the frontier. They are often the role of the hunter, trapper, scout, and guide. They are given a great deal of respect because they know the woods, the forest, and the creatures that lie in there. Where where they are given great respect, though, they don't often become people in positions of power because they don't care. So Arn will be more of the Kirengir that is going to know more about the world aspects of it and be able to help the party find targets and avoid pitfalls, hopefully, while they're out wandering in the wilderness. A subunit of my Kirangir is I have chosen the Packmaster, meaning that, like the wolf, I am able to identify with animals and command them in battle and use them out in the world as well. So we will see very much how this proceeds with a certain horse that Arn does not exactly trust. It should be fun.
0: Great, awesome, thanks. Uh, Vidar, Dan, uh, Arn, whatever one of those you want to go by. Yeah,
2: and it does work.
0: Next in the uh, initiative order is uh, Jamie.
3: Hello! I am Jamie. Uh, if you're a fan of the viking encampment, then you would probably know me as Gutred. Um, But for this, I will be rolling for the character Beiruna. Uh Beiruna comes from Voliland, which is in the southern region of Iskloft, and this is a land that is very set in old ways. There is sayings that the world tree, or Yggdrasil has roots in Volleyland, which gives it unusual fertility. And magic is actually pretty okay here. In most of Isklof, uh, magic users are often frowned upon, if not criminalized. But in Volleyland, magic is just part of the everyday culture. Everyone is very familiar with it. uh really take focus in old ways. Um, it's a land of magic, a land of ancient forests and marshes. There's trolls and spirits called Ulfur. And the people here really respect the old ways, the old gods, and the spirits and the magic around them. They're very quarrelsome people. They they like to argue. Volleyland was named after the man who found it, named Voli. And most people who live in Voliland try to claim that in some way, they are related to Volley. so it's very common to see someone who's either named Volley or their surname is Volley son or Volley daughter. But really, are they actually related to Volley? Probably not, but it's best not to argue with them. Uh, they tend to be very challenging. They don't like authorities too much. Um, even if a Jarl tells them to do something, they will ask questions before they actually go and do it. Veruna, however, was kind of raised away from society. Her father, Osrik, moved them out of the village into the middle of the woods when she was born. So even though she was raised with most of the cultures of Voliland, she also had much more uh, magic focused in her life. Her father, Osrik, was a gothi, which in Norse culture and in uh, Islov culture is like a religious leader, kind of similar to a shaman. So Veruna was raised to learn this magic, and she has been training to be a vulva. Vulva is my class. I, if I were to relate it to typical D&D, I would say vulva is kind of like a paladin meets cleric meets bard. Uh, they use swords, shields, axes, spears, all the weapons and stuff, um, but they also use magic. Magic for vulvas is in the form of songs called songs of Odin. They are, literally songs that I have to sing to cast spells for like healing, damaging enemies, all that fun stuff. Veruna was set sent on a mission before her seventeenth birthday in Isklov. Uh, children come of age when they turn seventeen, so for her coming of age mission. She was sent to go quiet some dead that had awoken in their crypt. However, she was very unsuccessful. And when she returned home to her father's hut, he was being attacked by a spirit of the forest called a Brunmigi. Uh, She was able to scare the spirit away, but her father was killed. And when the Jarl's men came and found them, they immediately arrested Veruna for the death of her father and the day before she was supposed to be executed she woke up and the entire village was empty the only other living creature besides herself was a horse and she took this as a sign from Odin that she had work to do uh, she has affectionately named the horse Gregory after our dear bot that records our episodes for us, and he is an integral part of this series. The end. We
0: would In not
1: there. have a series without Gregory.
3: Gregory. This is too true. Gregory is our glue that holds us together, mm-hmm. and when the series is done, we will have him turn into glue uh, for the symbolism.
2: I mean, when it is done, that Eyes. is... That is Arn's entire purpose, is to make sure this seriously freaky looking horse is turned into glue.
3: We're not really sure where he came from, he just kind of showed up. And we uh, love him.
2: Arn is a packmaster, and he does not trust this Kregory horse. It talks in a very weird Terminator-esque voice. He does not like this horse.
0: Neat. Well, I, I for one am looking forward to the variety of songs that Varun is going to be singing us. That should be Pretty hilarious.
3: I have a drum, and I will be singing.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Uh, Thank God for
2: mute buttons.
0: Next on uh, the initiative, and certainly not the least of them, uh, we have Sarah. So, tell us about your character.
4: I am Sarah, and I will be rolling for the character of Grandma. I've never played D anD D before. So, this has been fun trying to figure it out. Uh, Grandma is with the party because of the Jarl's appointment, uh, due to her experience and status as a herseer, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, All you need to know about how old she is, is that she's older than you. Grandma's from the great northern tundra, Uh, region beyond the White Line, which is a land that yields almost nothing as far as growth. So those who don't live in coastal fishing and whaling villages live in nomadic groups following herds of reindeer or mammoths. Uh, Men and women, they're very egalitarian, and as long as you pull your weight, they don't care what gender you are, unlike some people in the south. Um, They often set sail to raid and take what they cannot grow. Reaver crews are down south... Every spring when the ice thaws, uh, they tend to be superstitious, and hold to more traditional ways, sacrificing an animal before a battle, checking the runes before a decision, and not angering the fates. They're also very pragmatic, and have an understanding that for the good of many, or survival of the group, hard decisions sometimes must be made. Uh, For example, if besieged, the old and sick will be killed to preserve the food for those fighting. They've also been known to forcibly immigrate healthy individuals from the summer raids to boost their numbers. And if faced with a problem of, like, say, untying a knot or cutting through it, they'll cut through it. Back to being traditional, any oath must be uh, any oath made must be kept for all time. Um, when the southern lands, uh, King Gunnar, declared that witchcraft be outlawed, they didn't follow. So the witches are still held in great respect up north as midwives, healers, seers, advisors, and priestesses. My class is hirsir, which coming from a poor people just means that I had more resources available um, growing up and now that I am an adult. Um, I'm typically better educated and I People wanting to follow me either because I'm better at knowing the lay of the land and how to use resources, how to keep track of resources, how to get resources. Again, I'm from a raider culture, so when things are scarce, I can probably connect A to point B to point C and get us to what we need to do. Less commanding and more inspiring, um, more tactical than anything else, and then again, just having some wealth
0: to me. Awesome, that sounds like being a really great asset to to everyone else. And so uh it seems like Dan is very much a loner and uh we've got Sarah over here that's a team player. So I'll like to see how that dynamic kind of builds. Thanks everyone. We're all very excited to try out this new way to bring you content and hope that you are just as excited to come along with us. As always, You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and now YouTube at Viking Encampment. Also, check us out on Patreon and become a patron for exclusive content, early access to episodes, and possibly some exciting opportunities to interact with us. To all our future Vikings, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time come Hell or High Water.
3: much for listening to episode 0 of Hell or High Water. We have such an amazing journey ahead of us and we are so excited for you to tag along. Come back on Friday, October 9th for the very first official episode of this beautiful new podcast, if I do say so myself. After that, every episode will come out every other Friday, so after the first episode on October 9th, second episode will come out on October 23rd. The end.